Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of the Critical Millennial. My name is Kyle Klein and as always I'm joined by Alex Hoes. And today we are going to be discussing the film Doubt. Doubt? Starring Meryl Streep, Philip Seymour Hoffman, Amy Adams, and Viola Davis. Oh yeah. What a cast. Amen. Also, Alex is going to be bringing an unpopular opinion to the table. It's unpopular. How dare you think it's not? All that and maybe just a tiny bit more on this episode of the Critical Millennial. Oh my gosh, the Critical Millennial. It's time for an unpopular opinion. Not by me. It's by Alex. Uh-oh. Alex, why don't you fess up to this awful thing that you believe in? Okay, so for, I feel like I have to clarify, because I feel like Kyle's going to put me in like a limelight or like just like a bad light in general. Limelight and bad light are two different things. I don't know. I just use phrases that I hear around me. So anyway. Uh, You're educated. <laughs> so my unpopular opinion is about a person. It's about an uh, actress. I do, by do mean, no means, do means, by no means hate this actress or this woman, but I, it's a matter of preference, okay? So I've prefaced it now. That being said, I don't think, I don't like Meryl Streep's acting. How dare you? I, don't, I just don't think, like, her acting style is good. What? Tell that to her. 12 Oscar nominations. Yeah, that, that are completely undeserved. Whoa. Oh, shoot. Did I say Whoa. that out loud? You're, you mean to tell me that if you're going to watch Sophie's Choice, you're going to say, mm, wasn't deserving of an Oscar? Yes. I've never seen Sophie's Choice, so <laughs> I can't speak to that one. You're gonna they, that's the thing. If Meryl Streep did it, I probably won't watch the you movie. You mean to tell me that she was not deserving of an Oscar nomination for her work in Devil Wears Prada? Yes. <gasps> is this thing on? It is yes. on. You mean to tell me that in this film that we're talking about today, Doubt, that you just watched, that her performance is not worthy of an Oscar nomination? Yes. You're going to tell me <laughs> that her performance in The Iron Lady was not good enough for an Oscar win? Didn't see that one. Of course you didn't. Because she was in it. <laughs> you mean to tell me that her performance in Into the Woods was not good enough to garner a Golden Globe nomination. Didn't see that one, but that one was not because of her. I just had no interest. Oh, it's really good, actually. That's what I've heard. It's surprisingly surprising good. Yeah, I've heard that. But uh, why? What is it about this golden matriarch of cinemas acting style that you refuse to enjoy? It's mostly because uh, I think her acting style is super old school. Like, it's very, like, exaggerated, and, like, her head movements are, like, all over the place, and, like, her body movements will do the same thing, and, like, even the way her voice is, like, it almost sounds like she's, like, she thinks she's on then stage. you've never actually watched her act. No, you've I, probably I, seen her in one or two things where she's done that, and you've based your entire thing off that. Well, I saw her in Devil Wears Prada. And she didn't do that. I thought she did. No. I thought so. No. Are you kidding me? I I disagree. Wow. But that all that being said, it's just, I just don't, I think she has super old school style of acting. And like when she tries to like break out of that, it just doesn't work. Ricky and the Flash. (laughs) Or what's the one? There's one that's like August something or. August Osage uh, County. Yeah, that one. Yeah. I've actually seen that one. That was good. That was a good movie. She wasn't the best part of that. But like, I get it. I, you know, like 
even though I think she's the golden matriarch of cinema and acting, um, she like she's not turned in. She's turned in performances that aren't great. Yeah. Like, like every actor is gonna turn in a performance oh, that's just not good. Hundred like, percent. That happens in them all. Yeah. Uh, except no, Amy Adams and Jake Gyllenhaal. I actually agree with that. So, <laughs> <laughs> but I, yeah, I it's like and it, the thing is like I know that you like her and mm-hmm. I know that millions of Americans and other and viewers around the world think she's amazing. Yeah. But she's just not for me. Like I just can't like when I see her on screen and when I hear her talk like and I I know it's not the way she talks because mm-hmm. I've heard her in interviews. Right. So like it's uh, it's her acting style. I'm not like mm-hmm. poking at her as a person. You well, just don't like that she completely drowns herself in her character and becomes a new person. It, would it bad be bad for me to say yes? Yeah, it kind of <laughs> actually would. Because then when you're saying you hate the uh, an older style of acting, what you're saying is, is you hate that she doesn't necessarily put a piece of herself into it. Because when a lot of actors these days say, like, well, you know, I related to this character in this, so I put this piece of me into it. Like, a g- like in my opinion, I, when I took acting classes in college and in high school and took improv things, like, and read a lot of acting books, like, from the from the day decades ago there wasn't any mention of well bring a piece of yourself to it and in a lot of ways good acting is saying like i can't relate to this person at all so i have to reach deep within me to be empathetic and portray this maybe i mean like it's but i always felt like personally i always Mm -hmm. felt like that was reserved for the stage i never saw that in film like i Mm -hmm. okay i have seen it in film where it has worked Mm -hmm. for me but i would say more times than not Mm. it See, so. for me, this is a different conversation. We're getting <laughs> away from Meryl Street because you're just wrong. What? <laughs> <laughs> um, is that it's harder for me to connect when an actor's on stage and I'm watching it right then and there yeah. than it is for me in a film. To, what do you mean connect? Like you as a viewer or you as an actor? Viewer. Viewer. I agree. It's not as easy for me to connect yeah, as somebody on stage. And maybe that's why, like, because I, I view her a lot. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how that's how I see her. And obviously, I might be projecting. I'll admit it. I'll admit it. But Better I might be projecting. And uh, so when I see her, it's like, well, you know, I, I just don't get it. Like, I just don't. Like, Especially for this film, which this film was, I'll mention it when we talk about it a little bit, but it was written as a stage production. Right. So obviously there's some of that that has to be like in there. Does it? it, Yeah, we'll talk about that. (laughs) But like Philip Seymour Hoffman, I didn't feel like he really did that in this film. Nor Amy, nor Viola. Nor Amy, yeah, nor Viola, yeah. But she really did. Like when she like, there's one point when she calls like the student up, she's like, Oh, I can't remember his name. Timmy, get up here. William. She, William, get up here. And she like, threw her body around. I'm like, what is happening right now? I don't know. It's it's just not for me. You know what? Okay. But but okay. I okay. also I also don't like Helen Mirren. Is that bad too? Mm, I don't know about that. That's one. less so because she's Dame Helen Mirren. Yeah, yeah. But it's already <laughs> that's a bit pretentious. But I like Judy Dench. Dame Judy Dench. Dame Judy Dench. I love those. How dare you? Sir Ian McKellen. Ooh, Sir Ian McKellen. I'm just, we're is just it, saying names now. Yeah, now we're just saying <laughs> names of actors that we enjoy. Is Daniel Day-Lewis, is he a sir? I don't think so. I don't think he's a sir. But but he's that old school style too. What do you think is. of that? And I, I'm not a huge fan of Daniel Day-Lewis. Okay. There's only one movie I really like him in. Mm. So there will be blood. You drink my milkshake. Yes. I've never seen it. But everybody knows that line. Because of Saturday Night Live. I was going to say, it's like the perfect meme. So. <laughs> but yeah. Or I, I drink your milkshake. You drink my milkshake? 
I drink her milk, sir. Mm. I drink her milk. Okay. Does it bring the boys to the yard? Uh, ask Daniel Day Lewis. How unpopular. Sorry, no Meryl Streep. Now it's time for Film as Film. This past week, Alex and I watched a film called Doubt, released in 2008, directed by John Patrick Shanley, produced by Scott Rudin, based on the play Doubt, a parable by John Patrick Shanley, who also wrote the screenplay. This film stars Meryl Streep as Sister Aloysius, Philip Seymour Hoffman as Father Flynn, Amy Adams as Sister James, and Viola Davis as, as don't tell me, Mrs. Miller, uh, mother to Donald Miller, one of the boys in the school, the school's first black student. This film takes place in 1964 at a Catholic church in the Bronx, New York, um, where uh, Father Flynn, Philip Hoffman is Father Flynn. He is the priest of the parish of the Catholic school. Um, Catholic church has a school attached to it, like a lot of the Catholic church churches do like they have their church attached to their school um and there he is accused of sister james and sister aloysius of being sexually involved with one of the being a pedophile of being a pedophile being what if you know the film spotlight is about knowing that most catholic priests were pedophiles and were involved with young altar boys um but they can't necessarily, in the film, they can't necessarily prove it. It is suspicions that they have it based on loose evidence that they are finding throughout the school. Um, and and that's that's what the film is. That's a, a essentially what the film is about. It is about these two nuns, mostly Sister Aloysius, because Sister James is a young nun who is very spunky, and she still is bright-eyed about the faith and about priests and about the entire structure of, of Catholicism. Um, whereas Sister Aloysius, played by Streep, is more hard, hard pressed against things, hard hearted, more cynical towards things, um, and we'll get into why. But that is what the film and stage play Doubt is all about. So, Alex, I'm going to jump to you. Can you tell us your thoughts, film as film? Would you like what worked for you? What didn't? Film besides Streep's acting. F- <laughs> <laughs> uh, film as film. This movie, I mean, I've heard doubt, like I've heard about doubt, like from mm-hmm. people that have like that enjoy movies or like yeah. as even stage productions, like they have mentioned this to me, and like I've heard it, but like I've never watched it because mm-hmm. like it was either not easy to get my hands on or anything like that. So this is my first time watching it. Yeah. Um, that being said, what I like about the movie, you can so uh, the person, the the DOP, director of photography, the cinematographer, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is in fact. Roger Deakins, ah, who right. is uh, who I love him, mm-hmm. and he has direct, he has done uh, cinematography for a lot of films, but you can just tell like that he is doing it. And there's the one shot where the first instance of confrontation is happening with um, Aloysius. Is that how you say it? Or Aloysius? I, think, I believe it's Sister Aloysius. Aloysius, Aloysius, and then Sister James, where they're confronting uh, Father Flynn for the first time mm-hmm. and there's all these like low angled shots when mm-hmm. it's starting to get more uncomfortable like the camera's slightly tilted there's this green wall on the back mm-hmm. that like is like vibrant enough where you see it yeah. but it's also like drawing out like this anger and envy that's mm-hmm. in every it's really really put together yeah mm-hmm. and so it's super interesting to watch that uh, so that's like my big film nerd coming out <laughs> yeah. um, but Amy Adams kills it this she's relatively young in this movie or at least she portrays it and it she does a good job 
Um, Amy Adams has never made a bad movie. I haven't. I haven't. Even yeah. in BVS, she's wasted. That's not her fault. She's an awesome Lois Lane. But anyway, that was last week. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, and then Philip Seymour Hoffman. I had not seen him in a lot of uh, in a lot of films up until recently, honestly, because mm-hmm. uh, I just watched The Master uh, a few months which ago. Which is him and Amy Adams. Which again. is him and Amy, and that movie is wild. That we, we'll talk about that. Screwed up. Yeah, yeah, we could talk about that sometime on here. It has parallels to this film. It definitely does. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, but Philip Seymour Hoffman, he kills it in the sense that he is very calm and collected. And, like, he kind of, like, has his hands and he has his hold on this situation, or at least he thinks he does, besides uh, Aloysius. Am I saying it right? Aloysius. Aloysius. I'm going to get – you're going to have to correct me every time probably. It's fine. At this point, everyone knows who you're talking about. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Hopefully. I'll just say Streep if I I can't say it. But he, like, thinks he has such a good hold on it and he's so calm and he's so likable, yet when he does crack – he like loses it kind mm-hmm. of thing. Mm-hmm. And it is so good. I I was super impressed by him. What doesn't work, I talked about Street. That's a matter of preference. I don't think it hinders the film at all. For a lot of people, it definitely accelerates it. Mm-hmm. There are moments that it is you could tell that it is written for stage in the sense that there are like this is the one set for the scene and this is how it's gonna be, specifically when they're like in the room with the confrontation or they're out outside in the little garden area or whatever it is sitting mm-hmm. on the bench. There's sets like there's not much you could do about that, but film allows a freedom. So I sometimes wish that people would take advantage of that again. Doesn't destroy the film for me. Yeah. And then same thing with the writing. You could tell it's written for a stage. So like there's a lot of like you w- at this point, you will specifically walk over and open this door and make it leave, leave it cracked a little bit. And then when this sound cue comes on or when the bulb pops or when the wind blows, like mm-hmm. you notice it's just also there's certain that there's things. Also that there's very few speaking roles. Exactly. A lot of things are very either one liner people right. or background people that are continually in the background. So, you know, them just by seeing them. Yes. Um, but mainly it's mainly it's four people. Right. Mainly it's three people because Viola Davis is only in one scene. Right. And even with the students who in to the story are relatively important. Right. Like. But they just don't have a lot to say. Mm-hmm. But the film does help it because you get to see their facial reactions exactly, and stuff. Yeah. But yeah, so film is film. I it's worth watching. I the, none mm-hmm. of this stuff I'm saying is like, don't go see it. Mm-hmm. It's really well done. You'll so. find it on HBO Max or to rent on Prime. Yep. Kyle, though, film is film. Again, I think the actors, all four of those main actors, blow it out of the water. Mm-hmm. Like this was Viola Davis coming out of a, in a, an emergence of her even though she was in her 40s when this came i believe late 30s early 40s when this came out right um and she's in one scene yeah she is in one scene in this movie and she comes in an hour into almost an hour into the film mm-hmm. and her one scene goes from she's just like this mom just coming to the principal to talk about her son to they're walking to work and she's devastated yeah and she you can see the struggle in her to be like, I want to be a good mother to my son, but does being a good mother to my son just mean that like for right now he stays in danger with this because he only has to make it to June right? when school's over and he goes to high school and her performance in that one scene makes the film for me. 
I think that mm. she's the best actor in the film. Mm. And yeah. everyone knows how much I love Amy Adams. Yeah. And Amy Adams is a is a shining star in this film. But it is Viola Davis who is a beacon of light right. for acting in this. And I wanted to like I I didn't say anything about her because I mm-hmm. I knew how you felt about her in yeah. regards to this movie. Mm-hmm. But in in all seriousness, like yeah. that is hard to steal the show with one scene with, with a one few lines. 15 minute scene if that if mm-hmm. that yeah and like just watching her face and like the snot go down her, her mouth and she like has this way like you once mentioned how Saoirse Ronan when she starts to cry gets her nose turns red mm-hmm. Viola Davis when she starts to cry her nose begins to run oh yeah and it adds this griminess to yep. the emotion that I think the film needed oh yeah um, because you know you have Amy Adams playing this doe-eyed just like I you know, I just want to be a good teacher to my students and I want to protect my students and I want to protect the faith and the father and Father Flynn. And then you have Father Flynn being this dirtbag pedophile mm-hmm. who's manipulating religion and the system to get to fulfill his loins. And we'll talk about that. Yep. But then you have, you know, Sister Aloysius. You have Meryl Streep, who's this hardened woman who doesn't break until the final scene, which is such a good scene. It is. Um, but you have all these doe-eyed yet hardened people. And then you have this fresh face of this, just this mom wanting to be a good mom mm. to her, her only son who's gay in 1964 and black yep. and the only black kid in the school. Right. Like, there's nothing for me in this film that I can point out as like, doesn't work. Yeah. To me, everything, everything works as it should. And mm. this is for me, like, I, I can't think of anything for me that is just like, I don't like that. Yeah. I don't. Um, I won't say that it's perfect because I've al- I always go on the record and say I don't think a perfect film exists except maybe maybe Arrival or Blade Runner. But no, I digress. <laughs> but I can't think of anything that where I'm thinking film this film that I'm just like that didn't really that didn't hit for me. Yeah. Hmm. But is there anything else film this film that you wanted to to point out before we jump overboard? Just to reiterate, like, it's worth watching. It like, is definitely worth watching. And we'll get into it, but, like, regardless of, like, my c- the cinephile in me and, like, mm-hmm. how much I appreciate, like, mm-hmm. the film aspect of it, there are concepts in this movie that, and s- themes that had oh, need to be spoken. Oh, no, there's something else that I mm, greatly, greatly enjoy about this film. It uses monologuing well. Yes. It uses monologuing to not just have a character have a character arc which, which I think a lot of films do it's just like oh this character has to like have an arc so let's give them a lot of things to say mm-hmm. so that way they come across in what they believe I think Civil we've talked at length about Captain America Civil War but right. I think Civil War did that mm-hmm. where they gave characters a lot of things to say so people understood what they were doing sure this film uses monologuing in such a way that the characters don't s- state what they believe word for word but you find out what they believe because of how they have to say it. Like, they're not just saying, like, I believe that you're a pedophile. They're saying, I think that you did something. Right. And here's the proof that I have that I think you did something. And and Philip Seymour Hoffman, you know, Father Flynn, you know, gives a 13-minute monologue in the beginning of the movie. Mm-hmm. And it's a great sermon. Yeah. But you find out what he believes through his monologues, which are his sermons. Right. And yeah, and you find out Viola Davis how much how good of a mom she wants to be, but her internal struggle through her monologue, and I think that it's so not cleverly written, it's so believably written because they sound like actual people in such a ways that people aren't just com- gonna come out and say, 
well, my son is this, and therefore he, this is going to happen to him. It's going to be like, well, I'm afraid that these things will happen because my son ha- is this thing. Yep. And and if you want to learn the power of good monologuing, this is a film to watch. I agree, and that's a great point. It's something I I I should probably should have brought up as well. But the, this goes. This is similar to some of the points we made last week on the podcast that I wanted to get across is that you don't have to feed. Uh, you don't have to feed the audience everything that they should know or that they need to know, but by the way that you write and by the way the mm-hmm. actors say things, mm-hmm. you can learn different things. And so even just the way she like when she's confronted, have you ever have you ever done a, a sin or an unforgivable sin or how, I can't remember how he phrases it. Right. Um, and she says, yeah, mm-hmm. but you that's all you need to know, you know, and like there. That just comes with the writing. It's aside from the monologue. The writing is very, very good in this. So. Mm-hmm. And, and I think one of the most powerful lines in a monologue is when Viola Davis, again, says to Sister Aloysius, Sister, you ain't going against a man in a robe and win. He's got the position. Yep. It's just till June. It's just till June. And this right. is the mother of the son who is the victim of the pedophilia. Right. And like that's towards the end of her monologue. And it was just like she says that. And in that line, you know everything you need to know about this woman and what what's going on exactly mm-hmm. um i think that this this film's writing is the old adage of like if you i'm gonna i'm gonna get the quote right this time because the last time <laughs> i said it i got it wrong <clears throat> i think i believe it was hitchcock who said if you tell people the bomb's gonna go off they're gonna forget about it mm-hmm. then there's not gonna be any tension right but if you show people the bomb and you show them where it is mm-hmm. and you show them the timer but the characters don't know it's there then there's anxiety that's happening. And I think this film's writing does that just with, with speaking. I I very much agree. Is that we know something's happened as the audience. We're with them and we're understanding every single thing they're saying. But we don't know when the bomb or is going to go off. And when I say bomb in this film, I mean we don't know if it's going to get found out. And when ultimately, spoiler alert, when it kind of does but doesn't officially air quotes officially right it's even more of a shock right at the end of the film like father flynn is sent somewhere else he's sent to a different parish and he's given a promotion even though it's basically been proven that he's a pedophile and we'll talk about that and the abuse of church power in the deep dive So per usual, we're going to dive right into the deep end of this film. And the reason that we're going to be talking about doubt is not just because the film itself is called doubt, but because at the end of the film, Sister Aloysius is sitting on a bench uh, in the cold snow and Sister James comes up to her to have a conversation. Um, And the, the final lines of the film are Sister Aloysius weeping and saying that she has doubts, that she doubts and it's left unclear as to whether she's doubting the faith or if she's doubting the the decisions that she made to get father flynn removed and i think alex you made a good point though when we started and i asked that question of it's probably both Mm. in that she's doubting the the system that's in place um 
because in the film, Sister Aloysius points out that this has happened to her before. Yeah. Where she's caught a priest doing things with little boys mm-hmm. and nothing happened to him. Right. And he kept on being a priest. And so I think that you were right when you told me when we weren't recording that it's probably a bit of both, mm. that she's probably doubting the system. And for Catholics, the system is their faith. Right. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So, Alex, can you please for us kind of give us a definition of doubt? And then let's begin to answer the question, like, as believers, as Christians, what do we do with our doubt? What should we do with our doubt? Is it okay that we doubt? Right. Doubt. So I don't have the definition or anything like that in front of me necessarily. Oh, I do. Sorry. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Doubt itself is, this is according to Webster. Yep. It's a feeling of uncertainty or lack of conviction. Right. So it's a a feeling. And then I I think it would be fair to say that it ends up being an experience as well. So like mm, like okay. we we can experience doubt and ultimately that doubt will affect our belief. So mm. that's why I think there's also an aspect of experience in there. Sure, sure, and sure. you can really doubt anything. Yeah. Like you can doubt the existence of like your own hand if you really want to, you sure. know. <laughs> uh, but in this instance like it it really comes down to a crisis of faith mm. and whether you you are doubting everything you thought to be true and right mm. to not be true and right, you know. Okay. And so as humans and like philosophically speaking like it Rene Descartes he's a phil- he's a philosopher he, I have it written nice down nice pull out thank you yeah mm-hmm. yeah he said if you would be a real seeker after truth it is necessary that at least once in your life you doubt as far as possible mm-hmm. all things and so what he's pointing at is that as humans we doubt and that is just natural like we naturally right. doubt things and honestly I agree with him because as mm-hmm. sinful humans we doubt Right. So, but your question is, as Christians, what does that look like? Right. My question more points to faith. Yes. Those who find themselves in the faith. Yeah. In the faith. And when I ask this question, a lot of times I hear it's doubt is okay. Because Mm -hmm. doubt means that you're at least thinking about and thinking deeply about these things that you believe. And that's what I was always told growing up in youth group was like, you know, and, and in college, like, oh, doubt, again, it's, it's you're thinking. You're at least thinking about what you're believing in. Right. Um, but as I went to scripture, it's like, I don't know if yeah, it's okay to doubt. I noticed the same thing when I was looking as well. And I don't know if that's just my propensity to be anti what I was always told growing up anyway. <laughs> <laughs> to be like, well, now I don't think that's <laughs> true. Um, yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. So. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, no doubt, no doubt. So that makes doubt like a difficult thing, right? Because if, mm-hmm. as humans, if we're naturally doubting, but we aren't supposed to doubt, what does that look like for a Christian? Mm-hmm. And I don't. I'm, I'd be curious to hear the passages that you have, but some of the ones that I have is like James one six. I pulled out. That was one of the first things I thought of. Is that James one yep. six? Yep. But let him ask in faith mm-hmm. with no doubting mm-hmm. for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Right. And if you think about that practically, that is a super good point. Mm-hmm. Because when you doubt, like all of a sudden your beliefs are over here and over there mm-hmm. and in front of you and behind you. And all these other things could be incepting and coming inside you. And you be- start to believe other things to right. be true. Right. And that's dangerous. Mm-hmm. So that being said, like. To say that doubting is okay, I don't think it is. 
Well, because then we have the words of Jesus in Matthew 21, where he says, and Jesus answered them, truly, I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do what has been done to the fig tree, but even if you say to this mountain, be taken up and thrown into the sea, it will happen. Mm. And you can't, I think too, and you can't say, you can't say to a, a tree bend over if you doubt that it'll happen. Right. And I think that that is a, a lack of confidence. Yeah, it, it is. Mm-hmm. And that, and that's why we are asked for our whole faith. Right. And it's interesting too, because in the book of Jude, mm-hmm. it is said to have mercy on those who doubt. Yeah. I have that written down as well. 22. Right. Yeah. And so when you have, so we're getting to the picture, I think, then, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So the truly faithful Christian is going to be the one that doesn't doubt, but ultimately, like, has truly understands that right. the faith that they have is right and true. Mm-hmm. But that is, like, the ideal. And we're sinful, and right. we're going to doubt. So, so I think what you're getting at is that there's no such thing as a Christian who's never doubted. Exactly. But we should be striving to not doubt. Right. So... So while we're here saying that scripture is saying don't doubt, I, I think that um, it's true that every believer has doubts because Jesus even said to his disciples, oh, you have little faith. Right. Like every time they questioned him, it was like, is there going to be enough fish? Yeah. Is there going to be enough bread? Like, come on, dudes, you just saw me do this thing. Like, what the heck? Right. You know? um, but. So so what do we do with that? The fact that there is never going to be a Christian who's never doubted. So what do we then do with our doubt? With our doubt, then we we don't keep it bottled up. Right? What because do you mean? Because that is when we keep it to ourselves and we mm-hmm. keep our doubt to ourselves, that is when we get tossed to and fro by the sea. Okay. Right? And it was in Genesis three was was when the first doubting happened. Uh, yeah, good point. And the whole the whole example is that Eve was there alone with the serpent, right? And there was nobody else to tell her. So would you say regardless. the first sin was doubt, or the first sin was pride? Mm. Well, I think that pride that came out is doubt. I th- I, from my impression, it's all uh, typically with cr- with people. Pride comes first, mm-hmm. and then all these other things come out of it. Mm-hmm. Because then, if you have pride, then you think you know better, so you're going to doubt what right. you believe. Oh, okay. Yeah. So mm. that being said, like, if you your pride is very self-pointed, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So community, that is a good unlocker to yeah. point away from doubt, but rather to point to faith. Because if you have truly faithful friends, they're going to point you in the right direction. Right, right. And I think that as I'm thinking about this Mm -hmm. is that there's there is the fact that you're, you will doubt because we're sinful human. We're, we're, we live in a fallen universe, right? So you will doubt. I, but I think that what we're saying is that there's potentially two avenues to chase your doubt. Yes. Well, one is to chase your doubt. One's to flee your doubt. Yes. Because we are so finite we have to just accept the fact that we'll never understand everything. Yeah. And that part of the reason God calls us to faith and not to robotics mm-hmm. is because we won't understand. And I think in the, the fork in the road of doubt of either flee it or chase it. Yeah. We, when we chase it, we are saying to God that, that he is completely understandable. I'm just missing something mm-hmm. instead of saying, I don't get it. 
and maybe I'm not supposed to get it, but I, th- and that, and then that's okay. Like yes. the John Bellion song. Maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. Yep. But I think that in, but then in that, if you'd go to the, the fork in the road and you're like, going to flee my doubt yeah. and just live in faith. Right. Then there's that balance of like, I can't just sit around and say it's unknowable. Right. I still have to, to become more like Christ, which is in part to gain more knowledge. Yes. And so there's that balance then. Right. Of goodness. I need to look more like Jesus, but I doubt these, but I, but I'm fleeing my doubt in, in accepting that there are things I can't understand, but I need to at least understand them enough to be eloquent enough to answer and every question that's asked of me. Yeah. And that's the, be- that's the beauty in the, and that comes with the balance of faith, right? Mm-hmm. Is that like, mm-hmm. we are not required to know everything, right? right. But we have to at least kn- know and understand what is given to us. Mm. And we have to trust in faith. And that's trust is a big mm-hmm. part of faith, obviously um, that what is given to us is enough, you know? Because one immediately when we start thinking that what's been given to us isn't enough, then we'll start doubting. Mm. And I was just thinking of Romans 14, the last verse in that chapter, after he talks about, after Paul talks about not causing another to stumble, mm. he, yes. says, he says very pointedly, but whoever has doubts is condemned if he eats. Right. Because the eating is not from faith. Mm. For whatever does not proceed from faith is sin yeah so how do we proceed from doubt into faith that is tough can you can you i think yes if you if you truly uh if you have that admittance of maybe i don't know maybe, maybe i don't know okay and that's the and that's the thing and that's I think the phrase that we are, are like the idea that we've been mm-hmm. told, like when we were growing up, that doubting means that you're at least thinking deeply about these things mm-hmm. or however you hear it. Right. Um, that is the avenue that they're thinking, you know, is like when you doubt, that means like, oh, like I'm at least thinking about these bigger mm-hmm. things. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I'm going to choose the righteous path, you know, right. of like, well, I don't need to know these things, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. but having that faith and trusting and seeing that you are that you are held accountable for your doubt. Right. So, so I want to ask this question though. The other side of sister Aloysius is doubt yes. of like, she's, she's a nun It's in the Catholic system. So the system is also their faith and, and us as Christians, as believers, I don't, my faith is not in my church's system of leaders. And it shouldn't be like not in, not in a sense of like, I don't think that they're going to say the right or correct things in so much as like, I don't have to go through a channel to God. Yes. Like I don't have to confess to my pastor my sins in order for him to take them to the Lord. Right. So that's like, you know, that's where we can separate from a bit from Sister Aloysius. Yeah. And so, but like her faith is connected to the system of Catholicism. True. So what do we do in that crisis of faith and doubt? Hmm. So I think I just asked the same question again, though. Yeah. Can you expound on the question a like little bit? Or maybe we're just moving into the second half of this question. Sure. Yeah, yeah. But Sister Aloysius is questioning her faith. Yeah. When one is questioning as a believer and we question our faith, you said you've we've mentioned community. Mm-hmm. Go to your community. Right. Go to your pastor with your doubts and your faith. Um, go to your, you know, your brothers and sisters who are of the same age. But like, how can 
how can I individually flee my doubts in pursuit of righteousness, in pursuit of Christ? For myself, mm-hmm. and I'll, I'll speak from my mm-hmm. own experience, because I, I mean, I've experienced doubt many right. times in my life. Like, uh, if I'm being totally honest like that, I've sinned in that way. And one of the ways is, and this is, I'm not trying to give a generic church uh, no, you're answer, fine. but... Sometimes the generic church answer is the answer, and yeah. we all just don't want it to be because it requires something of us. Exactly. And that was to dig into God's word mm, because amen. what I found was when I would doubt, that was the time that I was digging in the least. Mm, interesting. So when I would neglect his word and when I would stop reading, mm. when I would stop praying, that's when the doubts it's, would start to come It's in. so, I'm going to say funny. Yep. How when one stops reading God's word and spending time with the Lord, that one becomes less like him. Yes, exactly. So interesting how those things are tied together. <laughs> yeah. Wow. The, uh, Kyle speaking in uh, like sarcasm. I don't know if you guys caught that. So. Not a lot of people can. <laughs> but it's true. I mean, like that is really part of it. If you stop being with God and spending time with him, you're obviously going to be less like him. And perhaps the more doubt will fill you. Exactly. Before we move on to the second half of Sister Aloysius's doubt, because mm-hmm. I think it's very important for us to go there. Yeah. I think we should be clear. Mm-hmm. Is it a sin to doubt? Yes, if you let that doubt take you, if you let those waves take you to mm-hmm. and fro. But to doubt and let... Gosh, I, I don't... I'm trying... Because it is clearly, it clearly points in these passages that it talks about the fact that we shouldn't doubt and that we have to have, uh, oh, oh, you have a little faith, why did you doubt? Right, and I think we need to point out, there are two instances with disciples that I, like doubting Thomas is one of them, but that I want to mention is when it was Peter that walked on the water, right? Yes. I always say Paul. (laughs) It was Peter that walked on the water and he was fine until he doubted. Yes. And it was the doubt that made him sink and almost begin to... It, it was his doubt that made him begin to drown. Right. When he took his eyes off of Christ. Right. And it was Thomas that was like, Jesus is not alive. Yeah. And is that only after um, Thomas touches the holes in the, in the palms of Jesus or the wrists, whichever, yep. that um, Jesus says, blessed are those who have faith without seeing. Yeah. Because Thomas needed to see to have faith. And we live in that blessing of Jesus. Yes. As Christians in 2020, we live in that blessing that he spoke before Thomas of blessed are those who believe without seeing me. And I think often of that. Mm. I really, really do. Yeah. Of how Jesus said to him, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Yeah. And I'm just like, wow. Jesus just, every time I read it, I was like, Jesus blessed me. Yes. He blessed me Mm. because it takes an extraordinary like thing to be able to believe and have faith without ever seeing his face. True. Thomas saw him crucified and was like, nah, he ain't alive. Right. Sorry. <laughs> no, no, Jesus. No, 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 boo boo. Like I saw you, I saw you make fish. I saw you help that guy walk on water. I saw you heal people. This is Thomas, right? Yeah, this, okay, is, okay. this is Thomas. <laughs> and then he's like, Shoot, he can't rise from the dead, even though I saw him pull Lazarus out of the grave. Right. And so, like, I kind of feel like Jesus rolled his eyes, like, all right, you touched my palm. Yeah, yeah. But 
I think I think it, we need to approach the answer to that question with trepidation because it's what you do after you realize you're doubting. Yes. I think that could make it either a sin or lead you in a stronger path of righteousness. Yeah. And th- this will be a topic that I want to dive into more after mm-hmm. this um, because it, uh, I also think to the point of like, it is it so it's obviously not abnormal to sin mm-hmm. or to not abnormal to doubt. Right. But it's also not abnormal to do other sins as well. Mm-hmm. So does that doubting could also be in that category as well. But I don't want to speak definitively on that, you know, say that the act of or like the fact that you are doubting means you're sinning. So but uh, I but I, I think we need to be careful. Yeah. Right. Because you need to look at why you're doubting, what you're doubting and what you're doing with your doubt. Yep. Yep. Like, why am I doubting? When was the last time I prayed? When was the last time I spent time with God alone in his word and journaling and prayer? However you spend time alone with God, I think as long as it involves reading his word, you're fine. Um, When was the last time I was in community with other believers? I know it's hard sometimes for a lot of people with pandemic, but when was the last time you sought community through Zoom, through the phone, through a FaceTime, through a phone call, like whatever. Sure. And, And look at your circumstances surrounding your doubt. Then look at what you're doubting. Yeah. Is it like the existence of God completely and totally? Or is it like this small thing in scripture mm-hmm. that people tend to pick apart? Or is it like, well, I'm doubting if, you know, Thomas touched the wrists or the hands of Jesus. Right, right. Like, okay, like that is, you know, something that is neither here nor there. It's not it's pivotal to issue. your yeah. it's not pivotal to your salvation. Yeah, yeah. But if you're doubting whether baptism saves or not, you should probably look into that. Yep. And then what are you doing with that doubt? Are you just stewing in it, getting sure. angry, not following scripture to figure it out, not seeking any advice and just stewing in it? And in, in stewing in it, I think you're pursuing your doubts right. to only cause more doubts. I think doubts are dominoes that just fall one after the other after the other. Yep. Or are you fleeing your doubt in the pursuit of knowledge to answer your doubts? I agree. Yeah, mm-hmm. those are great points. And those are the things that I would say to you, like, why are you doubting? Um, what? Why are you doubting? So, mm-hmm. like, what caused your doubts? What are you doubting? Like, what is the thing in Scripture that you're doubting? Or even the thing in the world? Yep. And then what are you doing with it? Yeah, mm-hmm. those are great. I, th- I think those are st- that's good stuff to take home. I kind of wish there was a doubt, too. Like, <laughs> the <laughs> aftermath of this with Sister Elevation. The, d- the doubt, too. The doubt means starting Meryl Streep and Amy Adams. It's gonna be like a big shootout at some point. I feel it's like, like the Equalizer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What's that show? Warrior Nun now. Warrior Nun. Yeah, it's Warrior. Warrior Nun. <laughs> but like, less. It's not like, it's it's action in the sense of like it's debates. Yeah. <laughs> monologues. <laughs> yeah. It's monologues. Um. So let's move in. Actually, let's take a quick break. Yeah. And then we're gonna move into the second half of the question: doubting the religious systems. So we talked about the first half of the doubting question of like, what do I do when I doubt my faith? No doubt. Thank you, Gwen. <laughs> Thank you, Stefani. Gwen Stefani. On Sunday morning. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. <laughs> Speaking of Sunday mornings, pastors, sermons, elders, deacons, like lay leaders. Sister Aloysius, as we've talked about, is a Catholic nun. And so her faith is largely tied to the system of 
that is the religious system of Catholicism through right. confession and the pastor and, and the bishop and the archbishop and all the way up to the pope, like all of these things. But as believers, we don't have that. Mm-hmm. We don't believe that way. We believe that scripture is clear when it says that we now have access to the Father through the life, death, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus Christ, our Lord. And to specify, like, to better say as believers, like, reformed or, like, uh, not with the Catholic Church, basically, like, from what we we believe. Right. That's that's the system that we believe. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But, Alex, you you had more to say on this side of the question than I do. Mm. Um, So why don't you just take us into this side of of the doubting question? This is something that is... This whole the whole question here of whether this mm-hmm. priest F- Father Flynn is sexually abusing uh, boys is something that has been happening for a long, long time and will continue to happen for a long, long and time. It, and it, sorry to interrupt, but no, like, and it was shown to be true not just in the film Spotlight, but like the film Spotlight is based on a true story yep. that these things happened for years and yes. everyone covered it up and. Ever since the Me Too movement began, it's been revealed that it's also been happening in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. In 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 every form of religion. It's gonna happen anywhere. It'll happen anywhere. But like ever since the Me Too movement, now almost like a spotlight movement has started on like, well, this pastor's been doing it for a while too. Yeah. And it, it's gonna happen anywhere. Right. And the reason that in this film mm-hmm. the biggest issue is because they're the structure of the church and the mm-hmm. specifically the way this film portrays right. the Catholic church. Right. I've never been Catholic, so I can't speak mm-hmm. personally to mm-hmm. it, but from what I know and understand there is like a strict stringent, like regimented way that you have to go through issues or mm-hmm. like you have to give somebody, tell somebody about an issue. Right. And so there's like the nun mm-hmm. is obviously, she is technically above the rest of who would be the congregation of right. the church, mm-hmm. but that's about as high as she goes. Exactly. So right. the whole issue is she wants people to know that Father Flynn is sexually abusing these little boys, but nobody's going to listen to her mm-hmm. because the system that is built is, is basically saying no. Like, you, I won't listen to you. I will listen to Father Flynn. Right. So tell Father Flynn and then right. he can tell us. Whether regardless of whether he was doing anything or not, he's not going to say anything. Like I know how this will sound and come across, but the Catholic system is built on patriarchy, misogynistic ways. Yeah, it is. I mean, it is that will protect anyone that is well liked. And it's ultimately like it's more, I, I, it's more unbiblical than anything. Correct. Because in the uh, the text, and specifically looking to Mm -hmm. First Timothy, where there is like a. These these are the rules for elders and deacons and right. what what we're looking for in these people, and this is how you treat women and this is how you yeah. treat men and this is how you treat each other. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's and it's all it's not it's all done in a way where it's like we have a higher expectation Correct. for these people, but they are not higher than us. Correct. You know. Right. And so that abuse of power then mm-hmm. comes from the system that mm-hmm. is kind of put in place, and we have seen that with the Southern Baptist Convention with any, like Kyle was saying, any other, any type of, uh, I just said Southern Baptist Convention because the church that I belong to is in the Southern Baptist Convention. Yeah. And it has happened in many other churches, Correct. you know, there's been, and that's, that comes from ultimately an abuse of power. Mm-hmm. But the question, the thing that I really want to bring up is the question of like church discipline. Mm. And so church discipline is a scary word to throw around. Well, it's two words. 
two words to throw around. <laughs> <laughs> but it's in, in reality, it is because, one, we don't want to offend people. Mm-hmm. Two, we don't want to be uncomfortable. And three, we think that there is this a similar structure in a Protestant Reformed church than there is. Uh, it's that as similar structure as like a Catholic church. But I mean, like while they're while the structures are not the same, I, from what I have researched and just seen and have now experienced, in a, in in a, in a smaller way. Yes. That abuse of power is still there, and it's the same. Oh, 100%. Welcome to sinful humanity. Right, but but what do you do then if you are Sister Aloysius? Yes. And you're sitting there, and you're like, my en- entire system that I have to go through is broken. The men that are supposed to lead me are broken. Yes. And, and they are continuing to allow these things to happen yes with silence with ignorance with don't care he's cool we like him yeah because something that's really interesting in the film is that the nuns have dinner together and it's tense and it's kind of almost a scary movie it's like if someone it's if someone breathes wrong like amy adams at one point pulls something out of her mouth that's not cooked fully and sister aloysius looks at her and like she puts it back in her mouth and eats it but then meanwhile the priests are having dinner together and they're making crude jokes it's like a locker room and they're drinking and they're smoking and they're eating whatever they want and it's that's such a reality mm-hmm. for not just how catholicism was but how for how religion kind of is yes. is that men can do whatever they seemingly want with no consequence and everyone else needs to be a serious needs to take it serious and be dour. Yeah. And it, it it's not even so much not, I mean in in many ways it is, but mm-hmm. specifically in this instance, right. it's the men, but it's mm-hmm. more so the position that they are given. Right. And because they're because they're men like being mm-hmm. a man, I know how that power can be abused yeah. and what you'd want to do with that. So dive know? into dive into what you were going into. So I I can't speak to her perspective, mm-hmm. but like if we took her and put her in in our seat, in a yeah. What do we do as right. as Christians in the Reformed, as you keep saying religion? Like, what do we do when there is a clear, or maybe even not clear, abuse of power? So let's for I I want to for anybody that is experiencing some sort of sin or that needs to be confronted is Matthew eighteen, right? Correct. So the people you go to the person, you confront them individually. They don't do anything then. Mm-hmm. You bring more brothers and sisters along and, like, you confront them again. And then after that, like, then uh, you have to take it before the church, basically. Mm-hmm. And, like, the, th- the third act is to bring him forward, like, with other people that are in power. Right. Power. I'm doing air quotes with power because they're not authority. necessarily. Authority. That's a better word. Thank you. Authority. And that's where things like nowadays we see it in elder boards mm-hmm. or uh, people that can make decisions collectively rather than just by themselves, you know? Right. So if you see somebody that is abusing power, a pastor that is abusing a child, that is abusing a woman, whatever the situation is, they are not higher necessarily in rank than you. They just have more authority. And and see, uh, that's the scary thing, though, is because authority is good. There should be... There should be somebody that's kind of running the show or else the right. everything's going to be chaos. Right, like they're the shepherd to the flock. Exactly. But it doesn't mean that they're greater or less sinful than you. Right. Honestly, they're expected a ton more right. than anybody else. Right. 
like because eyes are on them. Mm-hmm. And so now it's become a problem of power versus respect. Mm-hmm. Do you respect the person because they're living a more Christ-like life or do you just see them in a more powerful position? Mm-hmm. And so that is when the confrontation has mm-hmm. to come in because if you see it as an abuse of power, you go to them first, right? Mm-hmm. Then you bring brothers and sisters along. Yeah. They still deny it. I, a good church, in my opinion, and I, uh, this is from my understanding, will have some sort of board or el- board of elders, have deacons and deaconesses and like people that you can be like, all right, a decision has to be made about this person because well, I mean they're denying in it. In First Timothy 5, it says to bring them out publicly and rebuke them. Yes, exactly. And that's... That is a matter of like bringing them literally before the church. Correct. And that is that makes people extremely uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I think in in a ways that it should because it is a heavy thing. Yes. And so I think if you take that heaviness lightly, yep, that means that like you might be too comfortable with confrontation. Okay. Right. Right. <laughs> like that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but I think that that uncomfortableness is good. I just wish that there was conviction of the that people would listen to the conviction of the Holy Spirit to engage it. I agree, and that's the big thing. Like Sister Aloysius did, right? And that's the big thing is like um, Sister James, right? Yeah. Sister James is very much so like she said, like I love the Lord, I love these kids, and I want to do my job right, you know. Mm. But in reality, like there's always you have to have your ear close to His Word Mm. and His Spirit because Mm. those are the things that are going to throw throw ideas into your head or right. show your heart a right. little bit more on your sleeve mm-hmm. because you're aware of like the situation. And so as somebody that does youth ministry, I am extreme, <laughs> I guess not extremely, but I'm very paranoid about stuff like this, especially yeah. when it comes to volunteers. Yeah. But like even as people higher than me, like mm-hmm. I will never question like their righteousness because I know they're just as sinful as me. Yeah. And so if I see something that's going wrong, I'm going to bring it to somebody that like is in a in an American job way, my boss, you know, mm-hmm. or who would just be the person I would report to. Right. HR. HR, sure, yeah. And tell them like Should a church have HR? That's another conversation that w- I don't know if we have time for, we but don't. yes. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, very much but so. Yes, yes. Very much <laughs> every, yep. Yeah. Cuz church is also a business. Yeah. Ah. Okay, well, um but and what I'm trying to get at is that these things, one, shouldn't surprise us because people are sinful mm-hmm. and they are going to abuse mm-hmm. power and this is it's something that's going to happen forever. But two, don't be afraid to step forward if you think something is happening because Streep's character. <laughs> I, I Sister Aloysius. Say you. it with me. Aloysius. Still wrong. I, I know. I, I don't know why I want to say that you there. Uh, but she she wants to come forward because she sees something that's going wrong and she has been unfortunately trained in the way to know that something is happening wrong, wrong from past experience mm-hmm. that we don't know about. And again, it doesn't matter necessarily, right. but she knows that something is going wrong. So she's going to say something for the protection of her, these children mm-hmm. and also for the protection of the church, too. And maybe not from her perspective, it's the the right way that the church should be structured. But for us, mm-hmm. you have to think about what that does for the image of the church, right. for the believer. Because if we just let this happen mm-hmm. or we just send him to work at another church, yeah. what image does that have? The my This is my second time seeing this film. And 
I the first time I hate watched this film, I was like, this is Louise. Just like I get it, I get her character, get her arc. But the second time I watched, it, I was like, I understand why she does everything she does. Yeah. Like I understand why she's okay that the children fear her. Yeah. Because she ultimately is protecting them. Yeah. But it's just unfortunate that she has been in the past just always protecting children from the priest. Yeah. And the thing is, like, with with, with her, like, you can also see, like, it's not like there's better ways to do some of the mm-hmm. things that she's doing. Right. But ultimately, she is coming forward and she's presenting this problem directly and up front to this father mm-hmm. and telling him what what is going to happen with Sister James by her side kind of thing, like. Out of one, just following the rules, but two, making sure there's somebody else in so the room with her. What do we say to someone who looks at the Reformed faith, yep. th- the faith of, of Scripture, and looks at the way that it is structured, the church is structured, hmm. and they doubt that because of you know the Catholic faith and what is true of that faith, what happened there, yeah. but also what continues to be true of reformed leaders as well that they're still sinners mm-hmm. and like what do you do what do you say to to the person who doubts because of that system the first thing I, w- I would say is I'm sorry like that this has to be the way it's experienced mm-hmm. because the point I want to push is this is not who Christ is he does not want his bride to be this gro- like this grotesque like mm-hmm. defiled thing Mm -hmm. but he wants it to be pure and beautiful and to follow his word as best as you can and so when you see this happen all the time in all the time in places um, not everywhere but it does happen very frequently unfortunately that it's not the way it's supposed to be Mm. and we can be better but we have to be the ones that are going to step forward and believe people. We we have to be the ones that want to be better. Yeah. No, I mean, that I- that really is what it is. Mm-hmm. Because, sure, you can see it, but if you don't want to be better, and you're not going to be the one that's going to step forward when you see something wrong or even suspect something yeah. wrong, nothing's going to change. Yeah. So it's never was, was supposed to be like this. It wasn't planned like this. And the, the plan that is ri- given to us in God's word is one where it is not people are higher than us mm-hmm. but they they just have they more responsibility yeah and they need to work harder like they willingly took on responsibility knowing that the cost for them is greater the cost of them for them is very much so greater mm-hmm. and that that's that would be the biggest thing that i would say to somebody yeah is that i'm sorry that you have maybe experienced it or that you're just seeing it mm-hmm. because it's not how it's supposed to be and we can together strive to be better. And I was going to say, I think you just said it so beautifully. There's like, we can together, like, come, let me show you a better way. Yeah, definitely. And, and, it, and that's something that I would say to someone who's either experienced a deep church hurt. Right. And it's now doubting the whole system, the whole idea of it. Yeah. And come, let me show you a better way. Yeah. You know, that, that, would, that would be what I would do is discipleship, mentoring. Yeah. Love. Loving them step by step and allowing them to to have those doubts. Yeah. And to not just say like, well, okay, well, like here's what scripture, believe it. Instead of being like, hey, here's what scripture actually says. Now let me show you and bring you into a community that, that does. Yeah. I I completely agree. Doctrinally mm-hmm. speaking, like from God's word, he's given us a good way to structure the church. Mm-hmm. It's our responsibility to follow it. Mm-hmm. So we have to do it better. 
Yeah, and, and so if you're sitting there and you're doubting the system that God has laid out, again, I think I would say the same things. Why? Why are you doubting that? Yeah. And there are valid reasons people doubt that system. Yeah, oh, I agree. And I, agree. And I think the film touches on one of them is there's sexual misconduct and, and pedophilia that ran rampant through the Catholic religion yeah. and has also in the Reformed. Yeah. And so I think that's a valid reason. So why? Why are you doubting this system? What and then but then I would point it into what can I do yes. to help you flee those doubts and pursue Christ likeness? And that's the community aspect that we mm-hmm. talked about earlier. So I and I think you're right that the antidote to doubt is fleeing into community. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Any other final thoughts you wanted to say on on anything that we touched on today, whether it be the film Meryl Streep. Do you want to apologize? Wait, wait, Meryl Streep, wait. Do you want to apologize to Meryl? Uh, no, sorry. Um, but <laughs> I will say uh, these are continuing issues and these are big conversations. And uh, Correct. There are many things that can be uh, looked into. And this conversation doesn't end here, especially with church discipline. Not at all. So I would c- encourage you to look into it, talk to your pastors, mm-hmm. talk to trusted friends, and see what resources they have on it. Mm-hmm. And watch Doubt. Yes. It's available now on HBO Max if you have an HBO Max subscription. I highly suggest you get one. Yeah. Um. Oh, my gosh. Worth it. I, that's all I've used for the past two weeks. Honestly, same. <laughs> What's Netflix? Um, it's also available to rent on Prime, too, if you just don't want an HBO Max subscription. Um, and you just want to watch this film. It's, a, it's an intense film that evokes an intense discussion that is worth having. But what are you guys doing with your doubts? Let us know. Let us know how we can help you at the Critical Millennial on Twitter. Like yes. we want to help you through your doubts. Please. Well, thank you guys so much for joining us on this episode of the Critical Millennial. As always, you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at the Critical Millennial. Just look for that purple and gold X. Remember, X marks the spot at the Critical Millennials and our critical hits. We don't use Instagram, but maybe we will someday. Who knows? We use Twitter a whole lot. So follow us there. Whoa. Next week, we're talking about There Will Be Blood. Milkshake. We're talking about milkshakes, <laughs> and I drink your milkshake. <laughs> I drink your milkshake. <laughs> but I'm lactose intolerant, so I'll also poop your milkshake real hard. That's right. Well, anyway, thanks for joining us, you guys. Go watch Doubt. Let yep. us know what you think. Bye. See you around. Oh my gosh, the critical millennial!